0: Welcome to the Sadler Lectures Podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. Let's, let's go back and, and look now at lack of self-control. more So a person has... Desire, and they also have intellect or reason working, and there's some sort of interference between the two of them. So how, how many different ways can this play itself out? It's worth thinking about this because then you can, you can recognize this a little bit more easily when it occurs. I and mean, Aristotle gives you a kind of typography, you might say, of different ways in which we can be intemperate or lack self-control, literally lacking self-mastery. So what are we usually intemperate with? Aristotle says that the the main thing has to do with desires for physical pleasure. And that makes good sense. I mean, think about times where you set your alarm for 6 in the morning. And why did you set your alarm for 6 in the morning? Because you didn't get all the work that you needed to get done. You wanted to get up and study. You had a really good intention. And you said to yourself, this is the right thing for me to do. And, you know, you went to bed maybe around 11 or 12, right? So you're already cutting it a little bit close, and you'll have class at, say, 10 o'clock, right? So you're going to get up at 6 in the morning. You're going to really buckle down and study, and you're going to be so prepped for class, and you're getting so much out of it. And then 6 o'clock comes around, and the alarm goes off. And what do you do? Almost everybody I know hits the snooze button at least once. How many times is it okay to hit the snooze button, do you think? Depending on how much work. (laughs) How much work you have? Yeah, you know, Aristotle would probably say, why don't you set the alarm for when you actually think you'll get up instead of playing the snooze button tag game? But maybe it's better if you get up after one snooze than five snoozes. I know some people who can like hit the snooze button for an hour, some, some even longer than that. Now, what's going on there? Reason is telling them something. It's time to get up. Remember, we said we we're going to do this. This is a good thing to do. But they don't really feel like it, right? What do they feel like doing? It's, it's nice to lay in bed. It feels good to sleep. Doesn't it? Sometimes, you know, especially if it's a cold day. What about other things? What are other things we have physical pleasure in? We can have a lack of self-control. Food, for one thing. How many servings should we have? I mean, if it tastes really good, maybe it's okay to have seconds. But maybe not thirds. Maybe it, it has to do with how many times we things like that. And, you know, again, if you have a lack of self-control and you're not yet vicious... Something in you tells you, hey, hey, this is enough for you. But then your desire says, go and have another. Think about pizza, right? Pizza comes, you've ordered a pizza, and, you know, you may as well order the large because if you're going to spend the money on it, you get a better cost for the large pizza than you do the medium pizza. And so, you know, you have a slice. Oh, that's good. That's probably enough. One big, large slice of pizza is probably all you need. And then you say, I going to put the rest away, and I'll have some tomorrow. And then, you know, hour passes, and we're like, we'll go for another piece of pizza. And you think about it, you say, eh, I probably shouldn't. But then desire comes along and says, have another piece. Maybe, you know, you eat half the pizza. Or who knows? What else? So, food, sleep, drinking. Not necessarily alcohol, too. You get a lack of self-control with respect to coffee or tea or soda. Really anything that you like drinking. What else? What are other physical pleasures? Drugs. Drugs, yeah. People take drugs because they they make them feel good. Sex. Yep. Sexual activity. One of our strongest desires that can get you all sorts of trouble. I mean, think about the many different ways in which reason tells us this is not a good idea, and then somebody goes along and does it anyway. I mean, that's what movies are made of, many movies. Aristotle doesn't have a, quite as big of a range of things that he discusses because we've discovered a lot of new ways to appeal to our senses. People get addicted to shopping. In some ways, if it's just a matter of, it's not yet become like, here's my mindset and this is the way it ought to be, but if somebody's hoarding and they think to themselves, this isn't right, I probably shouldn't be doing this, but they find themselves doing it anyway, that might be a type of lack of self-control as well. Aristotle says there's a a few other things. Anger is another bit. Think about how difficult it is once you're actually angry to keep things in check. Do you ever have the, the sense... As you're arguing with somebody or, you know, something's going on that you're actually like starting to cross a line. You probably shouldn't say this, but you kind of feel like saying it. It's not really true, but it's true enough for the circumstances that you're going to call them that name. Well, that would be anger leading to a lack of self-control. Reason is actually still telling you, ah, this is not a good idea, but you end up, following anger, and anger actually has a own kind of reasoning process, Aristotle says. Anger is like a hasty servant who hears part of the instructions and then goes rushing off to try to do that. Anger hears something that tells the person that, hey, I'm being treated badly, and then says, I should get revenge, and it just rushes off to do it. There's other good things. You know, Pleasures are good. Sometimes it's right to be angry. There's other things that Aristotle says we can be acratic or have a lack of self-control with, and these are things like wealth. Victory, honor, and he even talks about children and parents. That's an interesting. Because he never actually talks about that in those places. Do people sometimes do things or are they tempted to do things to make money that they know are wrong, but they find themselves overcome by the amount of money? And they still know it's wrong. They feel bad while they're doing it, but they do it. This is what Japanese game shows are made of, right? Would you hit a complete stranger with a hammer if I paid you a million dollars? Kind of tempting, wouldn't it? I mean, if you have no temptation about that whatsoever and you reject that immediately and say, that would be completely wrong and that actually disgusts me, you're probably virtuous. If you actually say to yourself, I'm kind of tempted, but that would be the wrong thing to do, get away from me, and then you have self-control. If, on the other hand, you say, that sounds like a bad thing, but yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do it. Then you, you lack self-control. If you say, sign me up. This sounds like a great idea. Then you're probably vicious. You see how the, how the range works? So you can be motivated to do things by a desire for wealth. Other people, it's it's honor or fame or celebrity. You know, if you put a camera on people, can you get people to do crazy things that they ordinarily would see as a bad idea? Again, this is what game shows are made of and reality shows and a lot of other kinds of shows as well. People will do a lot of things to appear certain ways in other people's eyes victory. Aristotle talks about this thing that he calls philomikia. Nike is the Greek word for victory. Another word that that we could translate by it is being right or winning. A love of winning, a love of passing other people up, a love of being at the top, a love of shutting other people up, and being the one who's in the right. Does that ever lead us to cross lines? You know, where we know that we're, again, we're we're doing the wrong thing, but we say, well, in this case, I'm going to do that. It doesn't always have to be in arguments or contests. I had something like this, not quite so bad anymore, thankfully, but with driving. None of you like to pass other people. You enjoy it. Why do you like to pass other people? What are you getting out of? You're getting there quicker, right? That's what you tell yourself. But really, why do you like to pass other people? Because you're putting them behind you. You're not actually getting there any quicker, but you've passed them and it feels like an achievement, doesn't it? And if somebody else passes you, do you like that? Who's that jerk? Sometimes you'll chase them. I don't do this sort of thing anymore. Sometimes you chase them and then pass them. Well, that would be what Aristotle calls desire for victory. That can lead us to lack of self-control. What about children and parents? This is a really interesting one. You ought to, Aristotle thinks, love your children. You ought to love your parents. You ought to do a lot of things for them. But can you become too preoccupied with them and end up going over the line, so to speak, and doing things that you shouldn't do out of love or desire to, to help them out? All and Oh yeah, those shows are a good example. You look at those parents, and you know, you listen to their justifications, and you're like, eh, "I'm not really sure about that. I think there might be a little bit of excessiveness to this." Yeah, toddlers to tiaras, all these beauty shows. Any other things along those lines that you can think of offhand? Yeah, the overprotective parent, the helicopter parent. Yeah, what is the the good that that's interfering? With? Well. Children like, especially when they're toddlers, they need like free unstructured play in order to develop like a sense of self. Yeah. So if the parent becomes too intrusive, and the ch- the toddler can never develop that sense of self, it becomes too dependent on the parent. And if they don't develop their self, they become too egotistical and it lead- theoretically leads to sociopaths or borderline personalities. Right. Yeah. What about the helicopter parent in college? When you see because you've seen some, right? I mean, there's um, like the shows, there's one show, it's uh, Jersey Housewives, uh, not Jersey Housewives, um, I think it's New York Housewives, where her son's at college and she randomly shows up and knocks on his door with like a case of beer and like tries to start partying with his friends. Okay. That's a different kind of helicopter parent. That's not the one who's like, like, I'm going to make sure that my child gets good grades. That's. But it's still too much love, like, too much.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's a She's kind of an indulgence,
0: friend. isn't it? Yeah. Um, and, and what what good does that interfere with? That interferes with the, the child's development. Yeah. If it's the other kind of helicopter parent who you know calls up the, the teacher and, I don't understand why my son or daughter is not doing so well in your class. And first you have to say, I can't tell you anything because of furball. And then, you know, sometimes they'll, like, browbeat their child into waiving their FERPA rights. And then, you know, you start talking to the parent. And the parent will, have, like, have all sorts of plans for their kid and what their kid is going to do. Who should actually be talking to the professor? The student. The student, right. Why? The student. It's their responsibility. Why else isn't it important? What's that? It's part of autonomy. Somebody else says something over here that's, that's a yeah, in order to become an independent, autonomous person, you actually have to, like, stand up for yourself, engage in discussions by yourself, learn how to talk to professors, store managers, who else would you need to talk to, uh, bosses, all these people on your own. And if you don't, something's going to go bad. So the, the parent who is, is the helicopter parent, who recognizes that there's something wrong with this, but actually says, I'm still going to do this, they would have a lack of self-control. Over here on this side, this is the last thing I'm going to say about this. Aristotle actually distinguishes a few different ways in which things are going bad here. He talks about it in terms of knowledge. The person who has a lack of self-control does have knowledge of what's right and wrong. They have general knowledge about it. They may also have you know specific knowledge about, in this circumstance, this is what's, what's required. Are they using the knowledge? That's the question. They're not actually using the knowledge. They're like somebody who is, he says, drunk or asleep. They actually know things, but they're not using it at that, that time. It's being sort of disengaged. And instead, what's happening? if knowledge isn't running the show, then the desire is going. To the show. So something has to make you go one way or the other. So for Aristotle, if it's not your intellect or your intellect in line with the right desire, then it's going to be your other desires and they will run the show. And then if you keep on doing it, eventually this part will go away. It'll become corrupted. And then the risk is going from lack of self-control to, to vice. Aristotle thinks that most people are kind of in between lack of self-control and self-control. And it's up to us which way we go. You guys are at a particular point in your life where you have a lot of control over this. By the time that you get to my age, you have much less control over it. But you still have some control over it. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page.